All right, here we go. Welcome, everyone. We are so glad you're here to continuing the conversation. We've got a lot of people in the room, and Lots. you're going to meet them one at a time. But this week, we're going to do something a little different. We had Lumen. Lumen is this wonderful thing designed to have conversations. Kyle Zimmerman, who you know, is the one who leads us in this. Kyle, what is the dream? What is it we're trying to accomplish in Lumen? Uh, the goal is to create and stir thought and provoke questions about how does our faith intersect culture? What does it look like to live it out loud? And, and so you got four speakers. Yep. Who were they this year? Uh, this year we had Joe Saxton from what 3D Ministries. Uh, she talked she, about... Good. You, you I was her. there. You right, were there. You remember. Go. No, but it's all right. You, you remember. All right, fine. <laughs> she gave a broad perspective on the just the condition of culture, what it looks like, the rubble of brokenness, and how do we engage that? Are and we I willing... I liked her idea. Yeah. I did. What I are our limits of compassion? Good. Right, good. And then the second... Second speaker was Mike Erie, who good. I think we're going to hear gonna about... we're going to come back to yeah. that. And then third... He's the best-looking speaker. Third speaker was Jamie Torkowski. He started a... A, um, a movement called To Write Love on Our Arms for, right. you know, millions suffer from depression and anxiety and uh, self-injury and suicide. And so how do we walk alongside and them I with hope and struck, compassion? And What struck people was what one person can do. Because mm-hmm. this one guy begins a ministry literally ministering to tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. who face depression. Yeah, in five years, almost a million dollars has gone to treatment for a bunch of different individuals. Beautiful. And so, yeah, it's created a whole cultural thing. the fourth conversation was? Uh, Andrew Marin. We had him last year, and he sort of teed up the conversation between the uh, the church and the gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender community. And what does it look like to be a bridge builder and uh, move alongside them with love and compassion? And how do you have healthy conversation and relationship without necessarily agreeing? What does so that look like? So did it work? What do you Give me just yeah. one minute. What was the overall feel of Lumen? Did it happen? Yes. I, I guess the coolest thing is, um, for us, it's more than about a conversation. We want to see people's lives, and we want to see them be moved to action. And um, the coolest thing that I saw this year, the most profound thing, was that we're getting people that are now emailing and saying, I want to help be a part of leading this kind of conversation, especially like the Andrew Marin one with the, uh, the gay and lesbian community here in Orange County. What does it look right. like for us to lean into that, and how do I be a part of that? So I love that it's moving people to respond and do something. Okay, Mike, so you led uh, one of the conversations. Tell us what you did. Uh, first of all, I, I love that we do this. There is just this, uh, a huge, huge value. And I got to, I'd heard about it last year. Uh, I wasn't there. Um, but to see it, I love that we do it for free. I love the people that we bring in and I love what it says to the church at large and to our church in specific and to the world. Because um, these are conversations that aren't normal church conversations. And what you're seeing because the institutional church is so slow to adapt, you have these people out on the fringe of conversation who are really uh, prophetically um, with God speaking into these pockets of culture. And uh, so, so I, was, I was absolutely thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, for me specifically... I was just going to ask you, you opened up your life and talked about your journey with Seth. Yes. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we have a little, we have three children, the youngest of which is named Seth. He's two years old. He has Down syndrome. And uh, our journey uh, with him has been a very interesting one because we found out three months ahead of time, before he was born, 
Um, there were some, some complicating factors. They did an amnio uh, and discovered he had Down syndrome. And our journey from that moment, finding that out, to where we're at today has been a pretty powerful journey. But one of the things we've, we've also come to realize is that it is representative of something that God's up to that you see in the New Testament, but we kind of need reminded of. Namely, um, what, what does it mean first to be created in the image of God? And then secondly, um, what kind of community should the church be in making the distinctions it does? So one of the things that I spent some time talking about was uh, Alexander the Great, uh, a couple of hundred years before the birth of Jesus, helped, tried to Hellenize the world. It tried to turn the world Greek. And central to the Greek worldview is the is human perfection, the human perfection of spirit, the human perfection of wisdom, the human perfection of the body. And, and, and the perfect human, as the Greeks defined it, excluded 99% of the population those days. And the case I was trying to make was that the Hellenistic ideal is still around. It's in the airbrush images we see um, in the magazine aisle. It's in the $12 billion that people spend for, you know, non-necessary cosmetic surgery, a totally elective. It's in the millions of women who binge and purge and starve themselves to live up to this airbrushed ideal. And it's in the way we treat and view people with disabilities. Even though, even that conversation, so the conversation I wanted to open up uh, was a conversation that said Hellenism is still alive and well in our world, and Seth represents a prophetic witness against the powers and principalities that would have us believe that human worth and dignity is based on what you look like, what you do, uh, or what people think of you. And, and if there isn't a world that's out of whack and doesn't need to know that, I mean, it's our world. It is, this is where we live. And so I think it was a really powerful conversation starter that, that part of Lumen then, you do this presentation and that led into uh, a breakout session, really a, a Q&A session. And I got to do this with Jeff McGuire. Um, and, uh, and so Jeff, one of the questions uh, I had was, if you could just share a little bit about what God did. So, so we, we took, you could go to each of these four people uh, or hear, and hear more about kind of what they were up to. What did you hear and see in the conversation we were in? Well, I think, Mike, I think, Mike, one of the things that you did so well was you set up freedom to talk about stuff that people had that were, um, were very real fears and very real sort of, um, I guess you could say, um, issues probably isn't the right word because it's not deep enough, but I think there were some, some very, re- the, the whole room itself really, as you began talking, um, began to set in motion a sort of healing process, which is really kind of surprising for me. I mean, I thought it was going to be a Q&A, typical totally. conference Q&A. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, I, I was sitting kind of towards the front with a microphone, and right at my table, of course, is um, a guy named Arthur, who's a member of our college ministry, who has cerebral palsy. And he has um, a non, a, the non-mental variety. In other words, that there's, his mental capacity is fine, but his physical abilities are super, super slowed down. So even when he talks, he talks with a very slow voice. With a, it, It's very labored for him to talk and to move. Um, and he shared, I thought this was amazing, he shared about his, um, how people had been telling him his whole life that he'd never amount to anything, that he'd be a failure, and to attempt college would be a gigantic disaster. Right. Now he's finishing up his AA at Irvine Valley College and is looking to go on to, to Biola right. um, and has desires to go and be a pastor. And you could, the room itself just responded with such joy, especially after hearing you talk, Mike. I mean, there was such a sense of, we win. You know, the, God is awesome. <laughs> Victory, you know, yay, we're a part of this. And um, so it was a very kind of, very cool moment to see you speak to his life, 
Um, and then also to have um, in the room people asking questions about their own sort of encounter with this sort of idea. Um, and a woman raised her hand and said, um, Mike, were you, were you ever really afraid that you were going to have a Down syndrome mm -hmm. or, or any kind of kid with some kind of disability limitation right. um, that you weren't prepared for, didn't know how to deal with? And I thought, Mike, you handled it so great, which is to say, well, we already kind of walked through some of this with our, with our oldest son mm -hmm. um, and had been told that we were going to be fine. God had told us in some way or another that we were going to be fine or that our kid was going to be fine. <laughs> totally. And that everything was going to be great. And that and it was kind of a, a really difficult and honest. I felt like, Mike, you captured a really great way of saying this has been a really difficult road for us to get to this place where we are now. Um, Jeff, so that's why I wanted here. to bring you in, yeah. just because you're so complimentary. So keep <laughs> go, keep well, going. Yeah, again, again with the most handsome presenter. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think she began to say, I'm, I'm so afraid about having our own children. And that something would be, you know, in her own words, and she was even careful with her own words, knowing that you were there and, and that Justina was there. Like, I don't want anything wrong with my own kids. And every parent desires for the totally. kids to be healthy. Yeah. Um, or even beyond a normal. Normal or typical, as right. we're now learning that that's just the more appropriate <laughs> thing to say. But um, it, she began to cry, and she was so worried about it. And what was interesting is, you know, Mike, the way that you reached out to her, again, complimentary. Sorry about that for other speakers who aren't represented in the room. But <laughs> she, she, you said, hey, you know what? Will you, as in the midst of her tears, you said, will you come, will you come and play with Seth? Will you come and hang out with him? Will you come be with us? And she started, her, the tears flowing down her face, and she was like, yes, I'd love to do that. And then I talked to her after the conference, me and Kyle were wrapping up all of the sort of, the, the large room kind of discussion stuff, um, to have her come to me and say, and her husband talking about how they've had two miscarriages, mm -hmm. and how it's been, um, it's, been a, it's been a challenge to have been in that, in that sort of place and to anticipate these kinds of things. And I was able to look at her, and I, and I probably didn't say as delica delicately as you would have, Mike, but I just said, you know, if, if Seth is the worst-case scenario, which, you know, they had, the whole room had witnessed you playing with Seth and loving him after your, through your talk, if Seth is the worst-case scenario, then, you know, really, is this maybe something you ought to experience and see that totally. it may not be what you think, Yeah, the worst-case scenario might actually be kind of a gift. And so her and her husband I love how you said and, that. And so it was, very, it was very, I mean, I would say that the room started with you, Mike, um, and the whole experience is one of really deep and rich healing. So, No, I think that, uh, thank you. And I, I was really excited for you to share that because provoking these sorts of conversations yeah. makes room for these deep-seated fears. I mean, there are these unspoken things that hold us captive. Um, and and I, I just love that you had this follow-up conversation with them. Because seriously, you, play, you spend a little time with Seth and you go... Yeah, this is pretty sweet. Um, but one of the other things that Seth teaches us is to just take, to take nothing for granted and to celebrate everything. And we've got a, a young lady here who was also in that Q&A uh, named Corey, and she's on our team, and she's amazing. And uh, she had a pretty powerful uh, experience uh, in that Q&A thing, even after that, right? Because you had right. a conversation with somebody. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, um, I got the privilege of being in Mike's breakout group as well. And, uh, Talk slowly. Slowly. No, that's all right. Um, and towards the end of the, the conversation, a gentleman raised his hand and he just had to share a story. And he started by saying that um, he, him and his wife found out that they were pregnant with identical triplets. And that automatically stung my heart because I am an identical triplet. So when you hear that, you just reach for it. Not a lot. Not a lot of folks. There's not, a, there's not too many of us out there. So you automatically relate. And and so he went on to share a story that when they were pregnant, they wanted them to abort a couple of the babies, so to just leave one. And they decided not to abort, which is huge because that broke my heart because I couldn't imagine doing my life without my sisters. 
And so afterwards, I'm just like, Lord, just go talk to him. So I wouldn't, I didn't know what I was going to say. And so the first words out of my mouth were just like, thank you. And then I kind of started to cry because I could, all I could say is I don't know what I do without my sisters to him. And then I kind of maintained my composure. And the little girl was there. One, one has severe, um, the three of them, one was healthy. One has partial severe palsy and one is full severe palsy and she's in a wheelchair. And that's identical triplets with three, three very different um, takes on life. Yeah. And so we got to talk to this sweet little girl, one that has um, um, partial spill palsy, and she just shared with us how she got to go to a summer camp last year, and one of her leaders asked, okay, share something neat about yourself. And she said, well, you start with I'm a triplet. And we, my sister, one of my sisters was there, and we laughed because that's the, com the comment we always get. And she, then the, the counselor got to say to her, well, can I just pray for you? Because that's really interesting. You must deal with the identity and finding your identity in that. And that took me because that's part of my journey is dealing with our identity and within that. And can you can you expand on that just a second? Because sure. I don't think I, I I hear identical triplet and think that would be the coolest thing ever. It How is. could that be a struggle? It is, but growing up, you constantly find your identity with your sisters and people constantly put you in the identity of sisters. So you kind of grow up for years not really knowing who you are and Got who it. you are to the world and to each other and you constantly feel this bond to your sisters rather um, than yeah. to yourself. And I'm sure yeah. she dealt with that and dealing with um, her sisters being um, severe palsy and um, without, it's a huge other battle. Totally. But um, it really got me when um, the dad's looking at us, you know, and he goes, uh, so your other sister, and I'm like, he's like, you're she's a girl? And I'm like, yeah, thinking, yeah, we're, we're identical triplets. And he's like, when he looked into my eyes and he's like, and she's healthy, I just was wrecked for the rest of the day because I've never really thought about it and I never had to think about it. Yeah. Because we were given a gift and we were healthy. Um, and, and I said, yeah, she's healthy. And for him and them and, and the life they're doing, it was just right. this beautiful realization. And I'm still processing. But um, it was wonderful to be able to talk with this amazing, articulate little girl who's so excited to share her story <laughs> with the world and to be able to exchange phone numbers. And we'll get to be part of these triplets' lives. And hopefully, I, I don't know where the story's going to go, but so good that... Um, Thank you to the, to the conversation getting started, and she touched my life, and they touched our lives, and I'm just excited to see where this goes. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, and that is the whole goal of Lumen, um, is to begin those sorts of conversations that lead to reconciliation, to forgiveness, mm -hmm. to faith in action. And if you weren't able to be there, um, we'll have these the big presentations, not the Q&As. Uh, I don't think. The big presentations will be online probably by the end of this week at experiencelumen.com. But the big thing is, um, if, if you're tuning in with us regularly, you know um, that we want to be about the work of Jesus in the world. And this is these are the places we see Jesus moving, where it's not comfortable, where it's not easy, where sometimes it's messy, but it's also where you see him do his best stuff. So we're grateful to share these stories, uh, and we want to hear yours. So please uh, keep us posted on what's happening. Thank you.